Welcome to Healthcare's Missing Link, a weekly podcast to help you uncover hidden things that steal your health. Thanks for joining us today. Here's your host, Dr. Mark Sherwood. It's my distinct honor to have a unique and very smart guest with me today. And I'm going to read you some of her bio before I turn it over to her. Today's going to be an incredibly uplifting time, novel time, unique time. So get ready to learn and get educated on a new type of therapy, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Suzanne Bartlett Hackenmiller, uh, an MD, uh, is Iowa's first fellowship trained and board certified medical doctor in integrative medicine, having completed the Dr. Andrew Wiles acclaimed fellowship at the University of Arizona Center for Integrative Medicine in 2013. She became board certified by the American Board of Integrative Medicine in 2015 and has been board certified by the American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology and a fellow in the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology since 2002. In 2017, she completed a 500-hour course to become certified in herbal medicine by Dr. Tirona Lodog. She's an author of an award-winning children's book called A Friend Like John, Understanding Autism. She speaks nationally and internationally to groups on the subject of autism, cancer, integrative medicine, and nature therapy. Her passions include, among many, outdoor adventure, leading workshops on improving wellness through the natural means of nutrition, exercise, stress reduction, mind-body practices, and nature therapy. Her recent book, The Outdoor Adventurer's Guide to Forest Bathing, I can't wait to hear about what that is, was published by Falcon Guides and released in July of 2019. She's a certified forest therapy guide and is the medical director of the International Association of Nature and Forest Therapy and serves as a medical director of all trails. She actually sees patients in person and via telehealth through Van Deest Medical Center, Webster City, Iowa. Welcome, Suzanne. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for all that. It's great to be here. That is quite a, a bio and quite a list of achievements. And I've got to ask you with all that, what what finally drove you, I mean, international, national speaker, what drove you to do that and write books? That is a really good question. And I often say that my name is as complicated as my journey. So I think that's the only way to put it, really. But yeah, um, it's a long story, and I'll try to give you an abbreviated version. But um, I was just trucking along as a conventional OBGYN physician and in the mid-2000s, started to notice that I was experiencing some burnout. And uh, so that was kind of going on while at the same time raising two children, one of whom has autism. And then on top of all of that, my husband, Dave, was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer in 2008. So that was quite a blow. And, you know, you just don't expect that he was young and he was not a smoker. And so you just don't see that coming. So because of that, and again, because of my son's autism, especially, I always say that those are the main reasons, in addition to my patients who were constantly pressing me for more ideas, but those were the things that made me start to ask questions about conventional medicine. 
Um, I felt like there must be more to the options for treatment of various conditions than what I had learned about in medical school and residency. I felt like there was more than pharmaceutical drugs and surgery, but yet I had no idea how to find that information. It just wasn't contained in my education and training to date. So, and I was also asking a lot of questions about why, like, why are we seeing such an increased incidence in autism and why are we seeing lung cancer in non-smokers and, and are we doing things environmentally or to our food supply or our air or water or what are we doing that's contributing to this rise in some of these and other conditions? Mm -hmm. So again, I started asking these questions and Again, I was one of the more conventionally minded physicians I know, and people who have known me for years, many of them are a little surprised when they hear the direction my career has gone. Uh, but um, I discovered that there was this concept called integrative medicine, and I had never even heard of it. And in uh, 2010, I heard Dr. Andrew Weil speak at a conference, and that was that was really the turning point when I realized that yes, this is the direction that I need to go for my patients, for my family, for myself. And so I applied to Dr. Weil's fellowship, and you mentioned that, and it was mm -hmm. at, through the University of Arizona. And I had to defer for a while because of my husband's health, and then ultimately. He was literally in hospice when he pushed me to go to my first um, week of uh, residential work in Tucson for the fellowship. I was going to defer again. Uh, he managed to wean himself down on oxygen, leave hospice for a week, and travel to Tucson with me. So that's another whole story for another day. But um, he really pushed me to get going on this, and I'm obviously grateful that he did. And he passed away um, about two weeks after we got back. So it was uh, it was really a, a rough time. But um, and so then uh, dealing with his death, of course, was another whole chapter. And I found that my personal healing occurred outdoors. And I didn't even realize it at first. Mm -hmm. it, it, this kind of happened insidiously. And later I realized what I was doing. You know, we don't always know what we're doing while we're doing it. We're just trying to get through and survive. And probably many people can relate to that kind of feeling right about now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. as we're all sitting trying to survive a world pandemic. Um, so I, I found that I was drawn outside. And again, that correlates, I think, with what a lot of people are experiencing right now. People are being drawn outside. I just heard the other day that national parks are, or, or let's see, certain national parks, I believe, um, are seeing about a 400-fold increase in visitors. Wow. Or have this. Wow. So... And, and don't quote me on that. Um, it, I'm not entirely 100% sure that it was national parks, but it was, I believe, a National Park Service employee who was talking about it. So anyway, I think I think there was something to that. And initially, I found that I, I, I was running, and I had never been a runner before. But that was kind of metaphorical, too, I think, kind of running, mm -hmm. running away from my problems, running to yeah. get somewhere, running to get away from something, who knows. Um, but I ran a lot and uh, I discovered trail running and, and found that that was fun. Um, 
And then I discovered mountain biking and relearned that I loved to mountain bike. And I relearned that I loved kayaking and um, started training for adventure triathlons and getting, and it was all about the adrenaline, which if you've ever known an obstetrician, um, you know, obstetricians and surgeons and ER physicians are all very well known to be adrenaline junkies. And so, so there's something there in my personality that I was drawn towards that. And yet at some point, I also recognized that one cannot continue that forever. We need to have balance. And I had studied mind-body practices and had been doing yoga for a number of years. And so I realized that I needed to have balance between the adventure and then also a more contemplative practice. So fast forward a couple more years. um, And in 2014, I happened to read a magazine article in Oprah magazine on (laughs) forest bathing. Yeah. And um, I tore the article out because it just spoke to me. And I thought, this is it. This is the thing that I've been trying to do or find or whatever, you know, it just, and I, so, and I've done this other times in my life. I carry this tattered thing around, article around and <laughs> <laughs> because for some reason it really spoke to me and felt divinely orchestrated that there was something important about this thing. So, so I remembered it, but I didn't really pursue it. And then in about 2015 in the spring, I believe I was doing a workshop series um, with people from the community at a Franciscan retreat center. And each week we did a different um, subject. And one week was spirituality and health. One week was whole medical systems like traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, and Native American healing practices. One week was um, community and health. And one week was nature and health. And so the week that I did nature, I decided to experiment with my people and do a little of this forest bathing. And I had really only read about it. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I figured, you know, they won't know either. So, so we tried a little forest bathing. And uh, so these same participants were returning week after week. And when they came back the following week, so many of them reported that they had gone out and done this forest bathing thing with their family members or by themselves in the intervening week that I thought, wow, there is really something to this thing. It really, really resonated with people. So then I thought, hmm, I need to investigate further. And I connected with the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy, which you mentioned in the intro, and Amos Clifford, who founded that organization, and uh, decided I needed to train to become a certified forest therapy guide, which I then did. And, um, and so I've been guiding groups of people in this whatever that is, forest bathing, which you're going to say, all right, tell me what that is, right? Yeah, I'm like looking at this like, okay, I know people are listening right now. They're saying, okay, does does this doctor, is she saying to go out in the forest, <laughs> find a pot of water, take your clothes off and jump in? I mean, that's the question we would ask, but what is forest bathing? It does sound exactly like that. And believe me, when I first started offering these workshops and experiences, we would get all kinds of phone calls and people were quite concerned about what we might be doing out there in the forest. <laughs> and, and people were also curious and thought maybe they would like to do this, but they did want to confirm before they showed up that clothing was not optional. So clothing is not optional. Uh, we wear our clothing. And forest bathing is a term that the name is translated from Japanese. Uh, and the word in Japanese is shindin yoku. 
and Indian Yoku. And so this term uh, was only coined in the early 1980s by a couple of doctors in Japan, Dr. Lee and Dr. Miyazaki. And these doctors were dealing with patients who had all kinds of mental health conditions in the city of Tokyo and Japan and mental health problems and suicide rates are extremely high in Tokyo and have been. And so they, they wondered if perhaps it was the, the, the chaos and the lights and the sounds and just the stress of being in a city being unnatural really was yeah. contributing to their mental health problems and to the suicide incidents. And so they, they kind of hypothesized that maybe getting people out of the city would be good for them. And so they started taking patients an hour outside of the city to this beautiful lush forest and, and doing this quiet, contemplative, slow practice that they refer to as yoku. And it's a practice that is guided the way that I was trained in, um, in the organization, uh, ANFT was, um, basically to guide the participants to take nature in through the various senses mm -hmm. in a mind. Like, is it kind of like a little bit of the yoga con concept of breathe in, feel the breath and, 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 and every, every sensation of, of odor smells, right. that kind of thing. Okay. Exactly. That's exactly right. And so, you know, how often do we, well, first of all, how often are we mindful about really very much that we do? <laughs> Good point. You know, we're, we often rush through our day. We eat while we're doing something else. We, you know, we multitask, we drive to work and get there and then think, oh, I don't even remember getting here, you know, and, and you don't, you, we're just on autopilot. And, um, you know, I remember one time I was at a conference at a conference and we had a mindful, a silent lunch where we were to, you know, notice our food and not talk to each other and, and chew our food completely. And it was just amazing. At first it felt uncomfortable and strange, but it was really a, a meaningful experience. I highly encourage people to give that a try. So anyway, so yeah, so this, that's exactly what forest bathing is. This idea of just tr trying to slow down outdoors in nature and the guide, and of course you can do this on your own too, but, um, or with something like a book, like, yeah. <laughs> like my book, for example, um, where, where you have invitations or ideas that would help you to, to do this in a more effective way. So perhaps though, just even sitting for 20 minutes, which we call sit spot in forest bathing, taking 20 minutes to just sit and notice, close your eyes, notice what you hear notice mm -hmm. the fragrances, notice the, mm -hmm. the feeling, the tactile sensation of the air moving across your skin or your hair, noticing maybe the textures and temperatures and, um, you know, weight of a rock or something, you know, yeah. or touching a tree or putting your hands in the bed of a stream and just, just really noticing all of these different sensory experiences. And so Blowing right on through. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing? I mean, when you take people on these retreats and these forest bathing excursions, what kind of results are you seeing? And from what, um, maybe from a general sense, they come in with X symptoms or X diagnosis. Ah. They leave with 
why right. symptoms or why uh, lack of diagnosis, anything That's like that? Fun thing, yes. So these doctors in Japan mm-hmm. did do some studies on their participants, and so they would give they would do questionnaires before and after their experience on mm-hmm. their mental health symptoms depression, anxiety, self-esteem, things like that. Um, and then they would repeat the questionnaire afterwards. And they found just consistently that that all of those parameters of mental health improved after the, mm. this experience. And then they started doing other tests, physiologic types of tests. So they would check blood pressure and pulse, something called heart rate variability, which yeah looks at um, is a marker of stress really. And now they've done things like even looking at salivary cortisol and salivary alpha amylase. So hormone levels in the saliva that are markers for stress. And so they found again, pretty consistently that these things all improved after this forest, forest bathing experience. And so when I've taken people out, I have seen the most incredible things happen. I, I truly I can't even, you know, I, I feel a little crazy sometimes. <laughs> no, just an example, maybe an example. Yeah, so people, people will report all kinds of mental health improvements. Um, one of the most extreme and moving examples was a woman who came with her sister and her sister really kind of dragged her there. And this woman, I don't know how much she really wanted to be there or had any idea what she was getting into. And it was a group of about 20 people and none of them really knew each other beforehand. Um, But after we spent time next to a little creek, uh, we typically come together between invitations and people will share what they've noticed. Mm -hmm. And this particular individual shared that she had just gotten through a suicide attempt. Ooh, wow. It was it was more than any of us were expecting to hear. Um, but she felt comfortable sharing that with this group after this experience. And she was in tears. Suddenly, of course, everybody else was in tears also. Um, but she um, she actually came back a year later and did another walk with me and told me that that was the moment that she decided to live. Whoa. So I, you can't make these things up. Mm. And that, that, that continues to be one of the most moving experiences I've had with it. But almost every single time I take a group out, someone will share afterwards that some physical symptom that they've been battling, whether it's chronic joint pain or headaches or something that they have just not been able to get rid of, has improved after two and a half to three hours of this practice. And again, it's I certainly don't prep people to have expectations like that. If anything, I probably try not to give people an expectation of having some kind of healing experience, but um, it it always happens. And I have people do questionnaires afterwards where people typically will even share more. And it's remarkable what kinds of things occur. Well, I realize this is kind of some, I mean, this, this is something that people probably know down deep they have to they need to get outside and experience the sun nature the wind the breeze and and just feel it all what do you attribute if you know just hypothetically or just your thoughts to the actual um turnaround in people's symptoms uh conditions by experiencing forest bathing well we could go into all kinds of directions on this and i could talk for about four more hours about this <laughs> uh, because you know there are studies that have found this physiological thing happens and this mental thing happens and these markers are elevated and we could get into all kinds of science and interestingly when i talk to doctors doctors and i am one 
want to have the scientific proof that any kind of intervention is going to be helpful before they recommend it to their patients. But if you think about it, you just said this, we inherently know that nature is we good do. for us. So um, do we have to know exactly why, or can we just know that we know? And we have been evolving as humans for 300,000 years as being part of nature. You bet. And it's, it's really only been within the last 200 years at most that we've become indoor beings. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's really only been, you know, the last half of a century that we've become, well, even just the last few decades that we've been so stuck to these devices and technology mm -hmm. and lights and sounds and, you know, beeps and <laughs> yeah, just connected <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Which has its pros. I mean, we're talking to each other today via technology and I'm, I love that. And I love how much of that has become more accessible even during COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, every day I'm talking with people on Zoom all over the country and all over the world, which I love. And I think that's really fantastic. However, we did not evolve and we our bodies cannot keep up with this kind of change this fast. And so I think what we already do know is that we need to have nature. And, and, and it doesn't mean that we have to go out to a national park or a deep forest. Nature is everywhere. And I think right. we need to reconstruct our expectations of what nature is too. We don't have to go to some beautiful exotic place. There's nature outside my window in my suburban, whatever neighborhood. I'm looking mm -hmm. at a white pine tree. I'm looking at a Baroque. I mean, it's mm -hmm. right here. I could have a potted plant. In fact, there's a potted plant a few feet away that taking the time to just even in, interact with a plant in your indoors, in your home, especially if you're stuck inside right now during yeah. the coronavirus. Um, in fact, I've experimented with some forest bathing in some really unusual places during COVID just to see, yeah. can we, can we derive nature's benefits from unlikely places like mm -hmm. sitting outside and interacting with a dandelion on the sidewalk? I've literally done all these things or with a <laughs> potted plant in our house or looking out the window. So, well, you know, I'm thinking, and, and I'm, I'm in, so intrigued by this because um, those of you that know me out there know I'm an outdoor guy, and I find peace, solitude, and the word that keeps coming to my heart, Suzanne, is this this thing called peace, P-E-A-C-E, -E, because when we're not at peace, we're in a state of dis-ease or dis-ease, and so, you know, I agree with you. We don't need to know why; we just need to experience the blessing of. And that's unique. And I think we spend too much time probably trying to figure out, you know, well, I need to know why this happened or I'm not going to believe it. Well, look, you've seen different than that. You've seen reality happen in front of you. You've seen miracles like that. Does that not just fire you up on the inside and keep you going? It absolutely does. I, I clearly love it or my career path wouldn't have taken this abrupt um, tangent. And, um, you know, I, I do feel personally, that it is a calling that I yeah. am supposed to be doing this work. And um, there's another story for another day on that, um, if you're interested. But yeah, it yeah. is, um, it is 
It is interesting. We don't, there are other things in life and, um, and in the universe that we accept without understanding Mm -hmm. exactly the science behind. And, um, I think in this instance, nature is that way. Although I do admit that the science geek in me gets really excited when we can confirm what we inherently know by some kind of scientific knowledge. So, you know, we've, we've discovered that there are these phytoncides emitted by plants that are chemicals in the essential oils that boost our immune system. Mm -hmm. And so imagine that, that when we go outside and Mm -hmm. we smell the fragrance of the trees and the plants that we're inhaling these phytoncides and they're stimulating our immune system. That's pretty important right now when we're all trying to avoid getting sick. And um, we even know that those same phytoncides stimulate our natural killer cell response Mm -hmm. in the body. And and natural killer cells are important for fighting viruses and bacteria and even tumors. So, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I get a little excited when I hear the hows of things. That's what drew me into science and medicine in the first place. So I do kind of enjoy straddling that, um, that fence of, I don't want to know why I don't care. It's the awe and the mystery and the beauty of nature that mm-hmm. I can't put a price tag on and I can't yeah. put a number on or a statistic on, but when I feel it and see it, it makes me healthier inside and out in every way. And on the mm-hmm. other side, yeah, it's kind of cool to, to yeah. keep on these little things that we're figuring out as to why and how it works. Suzanne, I mean, we all know America's health and even the worldwide health is uh, going in the wrong direction. The trajectory disease is going up and there's not much talk about that right now at all. Everything's kind of silent. Um, And with that said, with this concept of forest bathing, can everybody do this where they are right now? Can they do that? And if so, how? I do believe everybody can do this where they are. I believe that this is something you can do even if you're indoors. So the first thing people will say is, well, I can't because I'm, I have to stay in my house or I use a wheelchair. My mobility is limited or I have this illness or this limitation. So I can't forest bathe. And, um, as I said before, I've been trying to, um, I'm all about no excuses. In fact, I started right. a no excuses club one time. Um, and so <laughs> I, like that. Yeah, no I only got one person to join me because everybody else had too many excuses as to why they couldn't. Join <laughs> I knew that was club. coming. <laughs> so anyway, um, so yeah, you can look outdoors. You can look at a painting of nature. There are actually studies that have found that gazing mm-hmm. at, at nature scenes have improvements on mental health. Or like I said before, you can gaze and interact with a potted plant. And I think people would be shocked to realize that if they set a timer for 20 minutes and just devoted that time to noticing everything they can about some aspect of nature, either outdoors in nature, indoors with a plant, indoors with a photograph, just noticing the sights, the sounds, the fragrances, the textures, the, the temperature, the, you know, all of those things. Um, I think they would be astounded. And I often recommend that people uh, journal, you know, or take, do kind of a head to head to toe scan of the body and, and notice where you are beforehand. Notice the way you are mentally, notice the, 
um, you know, notice your the sensations in your body beforehand, and then make a mental note after 20 minutes of doing that. And, um, you know, email me if you don't feel any better. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned 20 minutes. I mean, that seems like a, a small amount of time, a small investment for such an amazing uh, potential return. Right. Is, is that all it takes on a daily basis to get yeah. results? Well, I mean, so now the science geeky side, um, people are trying to figure out what the right dosage is. And uh-huh. so there is something that happens at 20 minutes. Uh, there's something that happens to the more than human world in 20 minutes where the, where nature gets used to you if you're sitting outside and the insects, the birds, the animals all decide that you're not a threat. So there's something mm-hmm. about that. There was a study that found that 20 minutes of walking in nature, as opposed to 20 minutes of walking in an urban setting, improved the salivary cortisol and salivary amylase that I mentioned before. So there's something about that 20 minutes. But there was also a study of college students that found that when they unplugged from their devices and spent five minutes outdoors, that five minutes that nearly all parameters of mental health were improved. And when the same researchers repeated the study, but increased the duration of time to 15 minutes, no additional improvement was noted. Wow. So five minutes. So if you can take five minutes, you know, because we all want to know how little we can do to derive benefit. Yeah, that's <laughs> how true. How little what? exercise can I do and get benefit? You know, that's what it's all about. Um, So five minutes, 20 minutes, if you can, some more recent research is suggesting 120 minutes a week of time in nature. But again, whatever you can make work, whatever you can prioritize and decide you deserve. I spend a lot of, I'm a pretty busy person. And yet I manage to get outside in nature most days per week. And Mm -hmm. I, to an actual wooded area. Um, so I think that it can be done. It's, Mm -hmm. but with me, I have to schedule just about everything that I do that I need to do. And my family knows that if I get to about Wednesday and I haven't been exercising and I haven't been outside, they, they send me out. They know that I need to get out. Do you find that when, I mean, when you don't do that, and I think this will relate to most people, mm-hmm. you get so busy, caught up in life or whatever, yeah. just don't make the time to do it. You make excuses. I mean, that's, I agree with you. Yeah. I do that. Uh, that you get a little bit edgy, uh, gripey, moody, that kind of thing. Is that true? Yes, those things. Yes, yeah. those things definitely happen to me and my family will definitely concur that I turn into a very crabby person. And so it's better for all of us if I get outside and get my vitamin N, my nature. Yeah. And, um, and for me, I need exercise too. And everybody has different needs for, for physical activity. I would argue that probably a lot of people would benefit from more physical activity that, Mm -hmm. you know, exercise has been found to be one of the most effective antidepressants and anti-anxiety remedies there is hands down. So if we could just get people moving a little bit more and ideally outdoors, if it's safe and if they can, um, then you're getting a double whammy for your health. Suzanne, talk about your book and and people, I want to know where they can get this, where they can read it. And and I guess I'm assuming, and you can probably confirm this, that it, that book can act as a guide to teach you how to do it. it. Yes. Thank you for bringing it up. So 
You're right. It is called The Outdoor Adventurer's Guide to Forest Bathing. And it's um, the publisher's Falcon Guides. And it's available really anywhere online, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and through the publisher. Um, I have found it in all kinds of brick and mortar stores. So that's been fun too. But it is out there. And um, it was it was really fun to write. I uh, was asked by Falcon Guides to write the book. And I wanted it to not just be a forest bathing book because I wanted to add the things about me that make, um, that I could offer. And, Mm -hmm. and for me, I do a lot of combining the outdoor adventure type thing plus forest bathing, as we talked Mm -hmm. about in the beginning. Um, I like that balance and I incorporate forest bathing kinds of things into doing those things. When I'm trying to run and I'm bored and sick of it and have more miles to go, I play (laughs) games with myself and I try to use nature as my playground and um, so I incorporated a number of my little games or forest bathing invitations into the book. And so like during the fall, sometimes I'm hopscotching on different colored leaves or things as I'm <laughs> trail running. Um, or I decide that I'm going to spend the next certain number of minutes just noticing the fragrances around me or just noticing sounds or looking for the color red or something like that. And, um, and so I, I, created a bunch of invitations that were specific to activities or things that you could do before, during, or after an activity, or just if you wanted to go out without any form of activity and uh, do your own forest bathing. It's also available by audiobook, which I really pushed for. Because, Good. I was yeah, going to ask you that question. Yeah. yeah. Because, um, because, it's kind of like trying to read a book on meditation. That's kind of hard to do to read your own guided meditation. <laughs> Good point. Right. So, yeah. um, so the idea there would be that you could listen to it as you're out in nature and it's not me doing the narration, which I wish it were, but, um, but to be able to, to listen and then follow along as you're sitting outside in nature, perhaps um, taking it in. I also wanted to include uh, some of the studies about nature and health. And then one of the funnest things for me is the tea ceremony that we conclude our forest therapy walks with. And in Japanese tradition, they typically forage a plant from the area. So if it's safe and yeah, if it's, if it's safe and permissible to do so, we will create a tea out of something in our midst. Um, and so in the book, I used very simple things that most people could easily identify because you want to know a hundred percent, 110 percent, you know, that, you know, what plant it is and all of the potential, um, concerns, if there are any of using a plant in nature. But what I found is that people really love that. And yeah, you know, people used to know about the medicinal properties of plants. Our grandmothers knew this, but we've lost this information. Mm -hmm. And so when I talk a little bit about the fact that dandelion has these, you know, anti-inflammatory properties or properties that would aid in digestion or things like that, or we can make a pine needle tea and um, that they're, you know, and, and people love, they're surprised that it tastes good. They're surprised that they're deriving these health benefits. They just love hearing some of the science and the, the myth and the history. And, and of course, during the tea ceremony, we always acknowledge our ancestors and the people mm-hmm. who tended this land, uh, the native um, 
cultures and things mm. like that. So, so all of that is so important and a nice way to wrap everything up. And so I included some of those things in the book too. So people can do their own little tea ceremonies. Can they get the book like at a typical Barnes and Noble, Amazon online, that kind of just everywhere? Yeah. So yeah, online at Barnes and Noble and Amazon and Good. through um, Falcon Guides, Roman and Little Littlefield Publishing Company. Um, and yeah, a number of Barnes and Noble stores around the country have had it um, in brick and mortar stores. So that's, that's been fun too. Well, I definitely think we're going to put that link below in this particular podcast because I want people to get this book. I want people to get their hands on it. I'm getting it. It's, I'm going to use it. Um, I never even thought about um, the concept of this. So this has been incredibly enlightening and inspiring and encouraging for me personally. And I really want to thank you for that. Um, Suzanne, how, how can people get a hold of you? How can they stay in touch with you? Yeah. And I love it when people do. And I certainly would love to hear if people read the book, use the book, you know, if they have any revelations from it or suggestions mm-hmm. or anything like that, of course, I would love to hear that. But my, I do have a little website. It's integrative mm-hmm. And I'm also on Facebook. Um, at that same Facebook slash integrative initiative um, also on Instagram and Twitter and I'm all over the place. So I would love it if people were to follow me and join me and interact. I love doing that with people. So it's integrative initiative.com Facebook, Instagram, the typical social media, yep, all that. Yep. Um, I want people to connect with you. I'm going to ask them to connect with you and I'm going to connect with you as I already have. And I would love and be incredibly honored if you would do another segment with us at some point, especially talking about some of the, um, well, the calling you have in your life. I'm very intrigued by that. You know, what prompted that and how you overcame such tragedy and, and then where you are right now, that, that inspirational thing, because you, you, Really, Suzanne brought a lot of joy. It, it, it exudes from you. It emits from you very clearly. And it's obvious that you enjoy what you're doing and it makes you happy. So um, it does. It's nice to see someone that's doing something they enjoy, makes them happy. And it's um, frankly uh, to play on words in it. And I wish that would become the new pandemic right there uh, in our world in a, in a good way. Yeah, that would become extremely um, contagious because we really need that right now. I think we do, too. And I think that we're in a time of planetary unrest in terms of the virus, in terms of all of these other upheavals, racial unrest. And, uh, you know, we talked a little before we started recording about the flooding and the hurricanes and the forest fires. And uh, it's raining here where I am. And, uh, you know, when we start to become a part of nature again, then we no longer can continue to destroy it. Mm -hmm. And we are going to have to come to some kind of a reckoning like that. And so I, 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 that is my hope that people will develop more of a relationship and remember that that's where we came from and that we are nature. Yeah. And um, it's, it's pretty, incredible to see what happens when people get to that point. So there's people out there right now listening, Suzanne, that are um, probably at points in their life. There may be somebody at that point in their life that's at the absolute end of their rope. They're tired. They're beat down. They're lonely. They're depressed, perhaps even suicidal. What would you say to that 
those people out there right now that need a little bit of an encouragement? Well, it's always the first step towards doing something positive for yourself that is the hardest. Mm -hmm. And I've experienced that in my own life too. And I often will trick myself in the morning by putting on, you know, clothing or shoes or something that that I would use to go outside and do something or to exercise. And, and, and it's always that first step of tricking yourself into doing it, even though you don't necessarily want to do anything good for yourself. You know, I I know that feeling. Um, And yet once I tell myself, I'm just going to drive over to the woods at a nearby nature center, and I'm just going to sit there. That's all I have to do. I don't have to run or walk or do anything physical. I just have to sit there. And if I give myself that kind of a, a charge, a task, a so simple that all I have to do is sit there five minutes. Mm-hmm. If all I do is sit there for five minutes, I can go home. But as with anything, once you get out there and your five minutes is up and I'll set an alarm on my phone or whatever, a timer, all I have to do is five minutes. And then if I want to go home, I can, if I want to, you know, continue to be sad and mad and anxious and <laughs> suicidal, I can. Yeah. Um, but if I want to then stay for a few more minutes, I can, or if I decide that I want to walk or whatever else I get to. And Again, why not just kind of do a little mental processing of how you feel before and after, maybe a little journaling after. Um, for our for my training for forest therapy guide training, we had to do 20-minute sit spot two times a week. And I would come home from work and I'd be exhausted and I had no time and I needed to get supper. And it was like, I don't have time for this. This is ridiculous. And we had to do it in our own backyard or in our own home at our home. And So my husband would be like, yeah, we'll just go do it. And I would say, I don't want to do it. I don't have time. This is so dumb. And I'm not going to see anything out there anyway. And obviously that's kind of funny because I know that this is good for me. And yet I'm human and also had other things to do. But I would make myself go out and do my 20-minute sit spot. And I'd sit out there for the first few minutes and think, yep, there's nothing out here, nothing to see. This is ridiculous. And of course, 20 minutes later, I'm journaling about all these revelations and beautiful things that I've seen. And can you believe the, the geese that soared down here or the, Mm. (laughs) or the insect that I watched crawl across for 20 minutes? Mm. I mean, so yeah, I don't know. I could go on and on, but just, just that first step is all that it takes and just see what happens. Just be curious and just notice. And that's all you have to do. That is um, well said, um, and I think the takeaway message today is multiple fold. It's take the first step, get quiet, get one with nature again, which is your actual intent. Experience five minutes. Get a little bit of vitamin N. I like that. And probably a little bit of vitamin E after that, which is encouragement. So you're going to get full of vitamins. And so might get a little vitamin D from the sun too. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I really appreciate you sharing this and we're going to make sure and uh, have the links down there below as stated. And I really can't wait for uh, us to spend some time again like this because it's been super enlightening. I hope that um, like me, uh, other people have learned uh, really a key to a 
therapy that actually is natural, that's going to work, that everybody can do. There's no restrictions for anybody. Five minutes of forest bathing, even if you're on, in your own home, just enjoy the nature. So, Suzanne, thank you from on behalf of my wife, Dr. Michelle, and the rest of us here. Um, just really grateful. Well done. Thank you. It has been a pleasure to be with you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us on another edition of Healthcare is Missing Link. One thing I always ask you to do at the end of each episode is to push the subscribe button and find out what and who is coming up next. Remember, as we always say, don't let the hidden things that you're maybe not aware of bog you down and steal your best health. We look forward to seeing you every single week a couple times on Healthcare is Missing Link. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.